It's Monday. It's October 23rd. And the word of the day is arenaceous, which means resembling a hedgehog. We have, we have a word for that. Used in a sentence, Guy Fieri has his very own word, and that word is arenaceous. <laughs> okay. Well, now I demand a fancy word for Flavortown. I feel... Yeah, right? Yeah. Right? And I'm super <laughs> jealous that there isn't a word for resembling a cigar store Indian on meth, because I'm no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And broadcasting delayed from America's far center, we are the Skeptocrats. On this week's episode, Florida snowflakes are unable to refute Richard Spencer's ideas. Millions of Americans learn where Catalonia is. And the President of the United States spends two weeks failing kindergarten. But first, the diatribe. There's a lot of good reasons to add a few international sources to your repertoire of news providers. You know, American news has a bad habit of forgetting the rest of the world exists until something blows up, for example. It's also helpful to get a view of American politics less obscured by partisan filters, which all our news seems to be. But it also helps a ton to give you perspective on your role in all of this shit as an American. Because on the BBC and shit like that, they're less inclined to say Donald Trump did X and more so towards America did X. Now, obviously, I'm talking about policy shit here, right? The BBC never comes out and says, America sent some batshit crazy tweets to North Korea, or America says Obama's tapping their phones. But but they do say, America pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord, and America is exploring a ban on trans people serving in the military, and America is cracking down on so-called sanctuary cities. And every time I hear that, I want to scream a clarification across the pond, right? I want to say, it's not America doing this stuff. It's one crotchy, deranged, profoundly incurious bigot doing all of it, but I'm wrong and they're right. This is what America is doing, like it or not. Because as loath as we often are to admit it, we're America. It's a representative democracy. Now, we like to obscure that behind wild hyperbole about corporate kleptocracies and old money oligarchies, but the truth of the matter is that American government still responds to the voice of the people. It doesn't respond quick enough, sure. It doesn't respond willingly enough, sure. But when the American people collectively decide to take action, we still have levers to pull. We still have access to the steering wheel, even if we have to tug a little harder than we'd like. And before you dismiss this as naive nationalism, I should point out how tempting it is to reject my point. Right. I mean, if I'm wrong, you aren't responsible. If the government isn't responding to the will of the people, then you're ethically unscathed by everything the U.S. government does in your name and with your money. Of course, that doesn't make me any writer. But if your knee jerk reaction is to dismiss it, you should at least consider what you stand to gain from that dismissal. Now, you can still reject what I'm saying, obviously. I mean, there's a difference between a dismissal and a disagreement. The corporate interests are pretty daunting enemies. The entrenched political powers are heavily fortified, and at a certain point, the difference between an implausible victory and an impossible one is semantic, but our country has changed, and it's hard to argue that it hasn't changed for the better. Do we credit the corporate interests for civil rights? Did entrenched political interests legalize gay marriage? We can argue about the extent to which citizens have a say, you know, and, and we can discuss ways of further empowering them, but until we're using the powers we have, what's the use of adding to them? Look, I'm admittedly jaded by how many people tell me that they've tried all the legitimate means of political reform but can't name their congressman. You know, people ready to reject democracy itself because they failed to convince a majority of the populace that they're right. 
I mean, I get that that's not everyone, but it's a lot of fucking people. There are plenty of counterexamples. The overwhelming majority of Americans want tighter regulations on gun control, for example, right? There's a corporate interest against it, so we don't get it. There's a wide consensus among Americans that we need to raise the minimum wage. The corporate interests are against it, so we don't get it. But no matter how good we're doing, there would be counterexamples still, right? I mean, if I'd been writing this diatribe a decade earlier, my second example might have been the health care reform that we eventually got. And again, maybe we didn't get exactly what we wanted, but it did change. We moved. We didn't move enough. We moved too slowly, but we moved. Or at least we showed ourselves capable of motion. But we can only move if people get engaged and take responsibility. But instead, there's this paradoxical trend towards passionate apathy. We minimize our role in the debacle our governance has become as a defense mechanism. And to get there, we need a war on nuance, a wholesale demonization of the other. I mean, I'm tossing around corporatism lingo in this diatribe, but if we're going to really have a nuanced conversation about it, a meaningful conversation, we have to be talking about a pretty fine line. We actually do want the government putting their thumb on the scale here and there for corporate interests, especially in the energy market, right? The economy is, among other things, the single greatest measure of human happiness that we have, and maintaining a thriving corporate sector is in virtually everyone's best interest. So if we want to have a productive conversation here, it has to be a nuanced one. It can't be about whether the government favors corporations too much. It has to be about whether this particular subsidy is justified given the overall strength and importance of that economic sector. And when you think about it, all of our disagreements come down to shit like that, or at least all of them with large swaths of populace on both sides. But if we can just paint over that and draw a bright line at some arbitrary point between far right and far left, we can live in a happy world where we're David, they're Goliath, and none of the shit that falls apart is our fault. As long as we express our displeasure through social media and disavow the extremes, we've done our part for history, right? We're insulated. Look, I don't want to start fetishizing bald eagles on the show, but if you're an American, you've got a lot to be proud of historically. Sure, you've got a lot to be ashamed of, too. But but we're still the country that put people on the moon. We're the ones that came up with airplanes and roller coasters. You know, we're the country that went from black slavery to black president in seven generations. And if you compare us to other historical military hegemonies, I'm pretty sure we're close to the top of that list. We're not a country beyond saving, is what I'm saying. Hell, when you compare us to other countries worldwide, our problems aren't even all that serious yet. But the longer we shirk our responsibilities as voters by hiding behind a vast and impenetrable conspiracy, the harder it's going to get. And at some point, it really does become impossible. So listen to the BBC. Listen to him talking about how America pulled out of the Paris Climate Accord. And remember that the future is going to lump you in with your generation. The future is going to say the people of the early 20th century knew how to fix it and they didn't. And they're not going to add except for Tony. Joining me for headlines tonight are fellow skeptic rats, No Illusions, and Eli Bosnick. Noah, Eli, quick question. Who wins in a fight, Dominic Toretto or Xander Cage? Ooh, good question related to this month's bonus episode of GAM. Um, exactly. Contractually, I'd say both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the American moviegoer, that's who wins. <laughs> Make that movie! Or the uh, the GAM <gasps> patron, anyway. Final Fantasy case. XXX, when they're doing the 10th one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It turns into like the clumps where he's playing a bunch of different parts. It's amazing. (laughs) That's one and a half billion dollars. (laughs) All right. Time for headlines. In our lead story tonight, Donald Trump spent the last two weeks like a five-year-old caught in a lie, digging himself deeper and deeper into trouble because he's got the mind of a stubborn idiot five-year-old. 
who is also the president of the United States, mm-hmm. because this is my nightmare. Yep. Yeah. Good pitch for a movie. Terrible reality. Yeah. Right. Five year old president. Yeah. Sorry. I, I, uh, Heath, by two weeks, did you mean 275 days, 17 hours and 18 minutes? Or do you mean like <laughs> especially like even for him? <laughs> Both. Yeah. So uh, following the deaths of four special forces soldiers in Niger earlier this month, Trump failed to comment and then got asked about it and then blatantly lied about something easily verifiable and then spiraled into a tragic series of insane, paranoid follow-up lies. We we honestly need a kindergarten teacher on staff at the White House to scold him at this point. <laughs> Trump's just sitting in the corner when Melina comes to pick him up. Oh, boy, what did he do? <laughs> well, he was uh, taunting that Korean boy again about his weight. He, he also made fun of little Frederica's hat, but... Uh, we're willing to overlook that one. It's yeah, a, the hat's ridiculous. It's a, silly hat. it's a ridiculous hat. That's not his fault. <laughs> She's my favorite. <laughs> I want to be taken very seriously. <laughs> I'm going to dress like a pirate for this CNN appearance. <laughs> a Las Vegas cowboy congresswoman. Yeah, so she's just reflecting today's politics, right? Like, there's no reason. If someone was like, Eli, put on pants, you're on CNN, I'd be like, no. And they'd be like, fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Frederica Wilson, we're going to get there. So here's a quick breakdown of the timeline of events, this whole thing. On October 4th, the four soldiers are killed in Niger, and the White House says nothing about it. It seems weird that the president wouldn't at least offer condolences, like a brief statement or something. But I'm guessing the White House staff was pretty sure he'd use the N-word trying to say the country's <laughs> name. So they just kept him off stage. Safe bet. Yeah, yeah. No shit. If it happened in Algeria, it would have been a safe bet. Worth noting, by the way, <laughs> they actually did draft a statement for him. And nobody's saying why they didn't use it. So there is a non-zero chance that that joke is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Where are those rehearsal tapes? <laughs> Fourth time, Mr. President, and I can't emphasize enough, I have the can of pennies. <laughs> I bet I bet Putin's got them. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so again, that was October 4th when the soldiers passed away. Then on the 16th, Trump's doing a press conference and somebody asks about the incident. And it wasn't like... Hey, it's been 12 days. What the fuck? I mean, that would have been reasonable, but it was. It was just a basic question. Uh, nonetheless, Trump responds like he just got caught masturbating onto his cousin's face by his parents <laughs> when he was like 13. He just starts ranting about how he makes calls to all the families and how he's the best gold star family caller ever. The best. The best. Unlike all those other presidents who hate freedom. Like he, he literally says, I'm better than the other. Pre-. They don't call gold star families. Yeah. At which point. Everyone in the room was like, um, nope, obviously false. We all just Googled that just to be sure. Sounded stupid. It's stupid. That's definitely wrong. Yeah. Okay, well, Abe Lincoln never called any of them. <laughs> right. I know. I love the expression on reporters' faces now when he does this. It's that, <laughs> why would you lie to the news face? Like, we're the news. Our only job is to know whether or not the things you're saying is true. Why? Why, Donald? And we wouldn't need to be professionals. Again, we Googled it. We just Googled it. You're an idiot. Yeah. So moving on to the next day, and uh, Trump's already changing his words after clearly being yelled at by everyone on his team because they also have 
the internet <laughs> and also common knowledge yeah, just well, in case yeah, the internet's uh-huh. down. <laughs> so, so now Trump's saying, I called virtually all the Gold Star families, uh-huh. the families of soldiers who died. And, and once again, everyone in the room is like, nope, unless by virtually all you mean half. <laughs> <laughs> At which point the White House staff starts going crazy trying to find all the names they know he missed as he's saying this because it turns out he called 10 out of the 20 families. Mm. And apparently he promised a check for 25 grand to one of those families, which has not been received. <laughs> it's so Maybe it's a check up. coming from his foundation. It's oh, not yeah, clear. right, right. Yeah, Ugh. exactly. Well, look, he's going to see if he's happy with the work the family's doing morning. And if he's not happy, <laughs> he doesn't pay. None of this alligator ties shit, you know. <laughs> You know, I just thought about this. When he said he called all the Gold Star families, do you, do you think maybe he was counting that Muslim one that he called a bunch of assholes and terrorists during the campaign? Ooh, yeah. If if you include the grammatical. Yeah. So 11, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. And from there, uh, it gets even worse. Somehow. Somehow. Yep. <laughs> Later that day, Trump's, uh, he's all huffy. He's in a big huff about getting caught <laughs> making shit up blatantly. So he tries to start attacking Obama and blurts out, that Obama didn't call General John Kelly when Kelly's son was killed in action. John Kelly, the mm, now chief yeah. of staff of the White House. And regardless of whether or not that's true, whether or not Obama made that call, it turns out that John Kelly did not want his dead son being brought up and used during a public tantrum no of Donald Trump's. <laughs> John, John, get up here. You got a dead kid. Tell him all about it. It's a whole. <laughs> yes, get that's what happened. Except Tell him about yeah. when your baby died. <laughs> and I I feel like there are two important takeaways here. The first is that, you know, obviously that Trump ignored a direct request not to politicize the death of an employee's child. The second, though, and maybe even more noteworthy, is that John Kelly knew Trump well enough to know that he would have to directly ask him that he not politicize his kid's death and then just hope it stuck. Uh, you know, imagine the list of things John Kelly has to tell Trump not to eat before he can leave the office. <laughs> Just a whole bunch of things in Sharpie on Trump's hands. <laughs> never, never pays attention. Yeah, so it seems like uh, that would have been enough terrible for one day, but nevertheless, Trump persisted. <laughs> Later that day, Trump calls up one of the grieving families, and uh, Florida Congresswoman Frederica Wilson happens to be in the car with the family at the time of the call. And apparently, Trump used the phrase, your kid knew what he signed up for. During that call to the grieving family, as in his mom signed the permission slip. Wait, oh, God. Wait, that's that's you. Fuck. <laughs> Fuck. So obviously the family was extremely offended. And Wilson mentioned this in the press to which Trump responded by saying Wilson is a liar and that he has proof that she's a liar. Yep. And once again, everyone's like, um, nope. Just double checked with the family. We have proof that you don't have proof and that you are a liar. To which Trump says, no, you are double down. He literally denied it again a second time. I don't want to change the subject or anything, but I can't emphasize enough how little truth matters now. Like when Warren wins in 2020 or whatever, I just want to clarify now, we don't go back to dignity. She gets to wear assless chaps and pretend to own Jupiter. It's not like... The rules go based. There's not time in when we win again. <laughs> she Liz, can definitely wears some Warren in, in the chaps. Yeah. <laughs> For it. sure. I feel like at this point, Trump is in a hypocrisy arms race against himself. 
I mean, okay, think about it. Everything he ever criticizes anyone for doing, he then does. A couple of weeks ago, he starts pretending that a protest that everyone seems to know except him is about police violence against minorities was disrespecting the troops that died for that flag. So he was like duty bound at that point to go out and literally disrespect <laughs> troops that died for that flag. I swear, if he's still in office this time next year, he's going to be crawling up some Kenyan woman's vagina. <laughs> All right, so picture that. Just hold, take it, take yourself oh, a second. I was. <laughs> yeah. I had it. When I read it's these notes it's earlier, it's I had a president really fun. Yeah. When the <laughs> I can only get my hands in here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, moving ahead, one more day. Now it's October nineteenth. And John Kelly is like, yeah, okay, Congresswoman Wilson wasn't lying. So, you know, whoever that leaves was the liar. <laughs> John Kelly's broken spirit sustains <laughs> me. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. John Kelly, like so many Republicans, he's he's a bad guy, right? He's a bad guy in the meta sense because he's a Republican and blah, 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 blah. But they weren't all Bond villains until last year. And he's just up there. He's just like, I just wanted to keep the money and I don't really like black people, but I didn't want to do the cowboy lady was telling the truth and the orange man was the, my son. Uh, uh, I drive a Dodge Stratus. Yes. So so, so then for some reason, Kelly decided to criticize Wilson about some unrelated event from 2015 right after having to be like, yeah, she was totally telling the truth. But she did something, something unrelated two years ago. He said she was fundraising at an inappropriate time at like a FBI building dedication thing. Yeah, whatever. Well, the very next day. The Sun Sentinel published a video showing that Kelly was completely wrong about whatever he said. And at a press conference later that day, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the press secretary, was asked if Kelly would explain his blatant lying, to which she responded, Mr. Kelly was a general in the army. We don't question generals. <laughs> at which point, everyone in the room was like, um, nope, here's He's 10 asked. videos of Trump questioning a general. We do question generals. It's on my phone right now. Here it is. It's one of the few things he does that we should do. <laughs> uh, follow-up question, Miss Sanders. How are you crazy fat and so hard-looking at the same time? <laughs> you clue us in on that. <laughs> yes, Sarah. So, uh... Sarah. <laughs> Me. So, so, uh, that was an absurd chain of events. Feels like... Bob Saget's going to need to sit down the president for a talk at some point. <laughs> Trump's going to be like, you got it, dude, and freeze frame. But, no, sadly, we do not have the Olsen twins running the country. That would be great. <laughs> we don't. Anyway, uh, the craziest part to me about this whole thing, though, is that there was nothing to be gained from any of the lying. It wasn't like the reporters were trying to like ask him trap questions about when he stopped being a Russian spy. It was just like, <laughs> Hey, you want to comment on the four soldiers? And just out of nowhere, Trump flew into a panicked frenzy of nonsense lying for no reason. It's so stupid. The president of the United States gave himself enough rope to hang himself. <laughs> that happened. We elected this person. Well, but unless of course, a national conversation about, you know, yourself being an asshole to dead soldiers' families is easier to defend than the reason those four kids died in Niger, in which case it's as stupid plus 
it's nefarious. All right, you got to stop reading Scott Adams' Twitter, Noah. All right, <laughs> we talked about this. <laughs> and in Cataland of the Free News tonight, in an <laughs> ever crazier escalation of the Spanish government's desperate attempt to remind the world that they were fascists too, damn it, <laughs> Prime Minister Mario Rojoy of Spain nope. announced nope. he would remove the leadership of Catalonia and initiate a process of direct rule by the central government in Madrid. But that's going well. <laughs> Lots of cool sword fighting is what I'm picturing. <laughs> <laughs> Are you guys picturing sword with swashbuckling? Right? Yeah, of course. Obviously. <laughs> oh, News coverage yeah. is just a fight scene from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> One of the good ones, like seven or twelve. Yeah, right. <laughs> now, to catch up the uninformed, which... To be fair, was me, too, until I read this story for Skeptocrat this week. <laughs> Catalonia is essentially, but not totally, the city of Barcelona in Spain. And Barcelona is to Spain as New York City is to, like, New York State. Like, they have different <laughs> languages, different cultures, and more importantly, they make all the fucking money, which the garbage cow farmers who surround them use to support a weird far-right government that a tiny percentage of the population support because <laughs> you know what they say about people who have only ever experienced life in one location and are convinced that people from that location are better than all the other people right it's that they're probably right usually that's yeah. what they say okay well normally we make sarcastic comments in this part Noah, but yes people from new york city are better <laughs> Man, this is weird. two votes i don't know we're like Okay. Going deadpan right now. Now, obviously, this, like American democracy, is an untenable system. So, unlike those liars in Texas who are all talk, in the last few years, Catalonia, which has its own regional government, has held Brexit-like referendums in the hopes of official secession. Yeah. As, as though they were getting jealous of the UK getting all the good, dumbass, damaging withdrawal controversy press. <laughs> yeah. It's how many wheelbarrows of pounds sterling for a beer? <laughs> Hold my cerveza. <laughs> <laughs> so whether or not you think it's beholden on metropolitan areas to support the open-jawed hellscape that make up rural wastelands of humanity in defiance of what defines us as human beings or not, everyone can agree that Spain has handled this secession attempt Badly. They yeah. have tried to <laughs> shut down elections last month by beating up voters, <laughs> arresting people willy-nilly, and burning ballots in the street, yeah. generally acting like, you know, a government you'd want to secede from, <laughs> which is why this latest move is so important. Well, as much as anything that happens in Spain can be said to be important. But <laughs> that's yeah. True. yeah, that's true. <laughs> I heard that in protest, everyone in Barcelona left work at 10 a.m., ate 20 very small plates of food, <laughs> took a five-hour nap, and then went flamenco dancing for the rest of the day. And normally that's 10.30 a.m., so <laughs> lots of productivity down the drain. Spain seems great is what yeah. I'm saying. It seems like a great place. I would it's like to the, go there. Uh, the baby leaping capital of the world. Lots of people don't <laughs> know is. that. That's actually true. <laughs> it is. That is true. So – just again, to clarify, this is the first time that Spain's government has stripped the autonomy of one of its regions, which is kind of like if America just dissolved the state of Texas after Jade Helm, just in case. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> tensions are rising, hopes of a peaceful resolution are quickly dwindling, and we may be looking at a vastly transformed Spain and entirety of Europe sooner than we think. 
God damn it. I'm just now getting used to the 197 countries we've got. And I also have interesting international news that makes me seem like I keep track of what's going on in the world. In <laughs> Fangolan immigrants news tonight, police in Malawi have – thank you. Fangola <laughs> is near Malawi. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Police in Malawi – I told you I'm getting these ones down, damn it. <laughs> so uh, uh, police in Malawi have arrested 140 vampire hunters in like, you know, now times – that's right. Fuck. After more than a half dozen cases of vigilante mobs murdering suspected vampires, Malawian police sprung into action to send the very clear message that this is too backwards ass even for Malawi. Inspector General of the Malawi Police Lexan Kachama told bro- local reporters on Saturday that, quote, Vultures of Horror was definitely not a documentary. Y'all, <laughs> sometimes a lady's leg just gets fucked up. End <laughs> quote. Uh, and it's a guy in the crowd's like, fake news. I read on r slash the vampire hunter. They've been selling blood out of underground pizza shops for years, for <laughs> right. years. <laughs> Just a bunch of dudes dressed like Blade breaking into Chuck E. Cheese's all over Malawi's. <laughs> Fuck. It's just kids eating pizza again. Just, all right, go, we go to the next one. One of these has tunnels or something. I, I get it. It's a joke about how, like, if they had food in Malawi, how different. Anyway, yeah, no, I get it. Um, so these mob attacks began in mid-September, and they've apparently gotten bad enough that the U.N. is literally pulling staff out of the regions where it's taking place. Vigilante vampire hunters are apparently setting up roadblocks to check for vampirism, prompting the president's office to issue a statement saying, quote, the development has been of grave concern to the president and the entire government, end quote, adding by implication. And this is fucking Malawi. We are the world's third poorest country. It's like like we don't have more important shit to worry about than vampires. (laughs) Notice his statement did not include vampires aren't real. (laughs) <laughs> Which you'd think would really put a kibosh on this whole thing, right? <laughs> Either way, people need to be clear about not being vampires. Lots of blame on all sides. <laughs> right. So if you start getting down about politics, you start thinking to yourself, boy, my country elected Donald Trump, or my country is withdrawing from the European Union against its own best interests, or holy fuck, are we still not on board with gay marriage? Take comfort in the fact that your nation's military isn't being deployed to contain a rash of vampire killings that's threatening to spread to the capital. <laughs> yeah, this is a good point, but uh, I'm still stuck on the vampire roadblocks. Right. They were doing roadblocks. <laughs> what do you ask? I wonder what those would be like. Those would be like. Those would be like. God damn it. Uh, good evening, sir. <sighs> good evening, officer. What seems to be the problem? Do you know how fast you were going back there? <sighs> no, sorry. This is Malawi. My car doesn't have a speedometer. Huh. Yeah, well, it looked like you were going fast. Um, we don't have speed guns, because, yeah, I mean, this is Malawi, but it looked I, fast. Yeah, I see. I see. Yeah. Well, do you have anything to drink tonight? Oh, um, yeah, just yeah, some beers and some shots, you know, vod- vodka shots. Oh, really? Cool. Um, anything else? Any, any blood by any chance? Blood? Drink? No, <laughs> no, no, officer. I don't. No, I don't. I don't drink blood. I don't. Okay, I'm gonna have to have you step out of the car, sir. <sighs> sure. Actually, um, can you turn into a bat and fly out the window instead? Yeah, no problem. All right, buddy, you're coming with me. I knew uh, it. Uh, 
Oh, damn it. Ah, tricked, tricked you. me. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. President. Tyler, big guy, how's it going? Uh, not great, sir. I'm, I'm sure by now that you've heard of the fatalities in Niger. Whoa, you gotta stop hanging around Jeff Sessions, Tyler. They don't like that word. What? No, no, Niger, sir. Yeah, no Nigers. No, 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 the country is called Niger. I mean, just between you and me, sure, but what I'm no, telling not you is this, you can't no, say Mr. That. President, Mr. President, there is really a country called Niger, and some soldiers of ours just died there. We think it would be appropriate for you to make a statement about I that. I see. I see. Okay. okay. So what, what, what did you, what do you have in mind? Um, how about this? Uh, Barack Obama. Already bad. Killed Already. those soldiers. No, no, we're, we can't do that. Okay. Um, John Kelly's dead kid. Already a no. Hated Obama. I can't believe you managed worse. Uh, but um, no, that's worse. Okay. Uh, one more try. Barack Obama. How about something that doesn't start with him? Ooh, I get it. Okay. Somebody, not gonna say who. That doesn't make it work. It's a Niger. Okay, we're done here. And we're back. Next up in headlines, in There's No Alt-Right Way to Spew Your Feces news tonight, a violent mob of unruly leftist Antifa who hate freedom were unable to carefully debate Richard Spencer's ideas this past week, and so they resorted to name-calling, shouting, and even physical violence. Oh, shit, yeah, because Nazis hate it when their gatherings are mired in violence. Way to go, people who ruined this event. (laughs) Yeah, you know what Nazis like Richard Spencer also hate? Attention. We are nailing it. They hate that. And, okay, so I get ignoring Nazis becomes a mistake at a certain point, obviously. But Spencer would be so mad if nobody got mad when he does (laughs) his stupid fucking talk. Right, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just start giving him the silent treatment he shrinks into a corn cob. (laughs) So, (laughs) look. Spencer, whose ideas I might disagree with, but Voltaire quote that isn't a Voltaire quote that I don't fucking understand, but somehow makes me think it's okay to legitimize fucking Nazis, spoke at the University of Florida in Gainesville. After That's a deep cut, but everyone who's on Twitter too much was just like, finally! (laughs) Trust me, you'll get the tweets. Tweeted Heath. Tweeted Heath that you liked that joke. Anyways, he was at the (laughs) University of Florida in Gainesville after nobody invited him, but everyone was apparently powerless to stop him because this is apparently real. The First Amendment says you must give everyone an auditorium to say what they want. Everyone gets an auditorium. Like most people don't even use theirs, but Richard Spencer has used his and everyone involved (laughs) in every possible way was powerless to stop him from just having an auditorium. Yeah, like, public university did technically have to, like, not refuse him based yeah. on the content of his thing. Right? How yeah. is that? Yeah. I don't understand. Can I have an auditorium? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you pay for it. Yeah. This so, is what? This is so strange. I don't understand anything. Nobody anyway, has to go to the auditorium is yeah, the rule the, also. Yeah. So I can stay alone in an auditorium <laughs> yeah, you doing can whatever I want. Whatever At every want. public university in the country. <laughs> I have a Patreon goal. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> 
Worried that violence similar to Charlottesville would break out, Governor Rick Scott declared a state of emergency <laughs> and filled the city with 8 million policemen, which all the not-Nazis in Florida and the United States had to pay for. Yeah, that's... Yeah. I True, feel like it's a little it. presumptuous to assume none of the cops were Nazis. Though. So some of the Nazis <laughs> yeah. got their money back. Not all cops. One or two, probably. It's an yeah. awkward moment, though. Nazi cop gets done with his shift. He just, like, pulls a swastika t-shirt over his uniform, starts shouting at the line of police he was just standing in. That he slowly <laughs> I walks know, away I'm from, off at six, man. <laughs> turns around. I don't know if you guys looked at the schedule. It's 6.30. <laughs> He's shouting about office politics. A corner piece every time, Steve. <laughs> cor- I mean, you will not replace us. Right. So, <laughs> what with a Nazi's right to talk about Nazism wherever a 500-pound gorilla can sit securely in place, Spencer was due to give a totally peaceful exchange of ideas. But, as I said, the left has gone mad and nobody talks to each other anymore, so the evil Antifa alt-left shouted while he was trying to talk and peacefully <laughs> protested outside. Okay, I mean this seriously. I'm not even sure I can tell what you're sarcastically agreeing with at this point. Well, you need to spend we're, more time on Twitter. I've said this think all I the do. time. Just, we're anti-Nazi is what we're saying, right? <laughs> Are we all? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Okay, we're so. anti-Nazi. Think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Too long a pause. <laughs> <laughs> now, look. I know there will be excuse makers in the audience. What about the Spencer supporters who shouted Hail Hitler and then tried to shoot someone that has come out this week? Blah, blah, blah. Sorry, (laughs) but that has nothing to do with Spencer. So I think what we've concluded is show me on your skull where there are no dimples or admit you've been outlawed. Right. (laughs) You lost the debate. You just got to reason with them. You know how reasonable Nazis are. And finally tonight, in big water, ocean water news, we get to close off with a little bit of good news out of Puerto Rico for a change. So, Really? Yeah. No, it's it, like <laughs> there's been a lot of bad news, but for mm-hmm. those who may have missed it, despite ubiquitous reports that the scant percentage of Puerto Ricans who have power is actually declining, along with dire warnings about waterborne illnesses stemming from the two-thirds of the island that still doesn't have clean drinking water, it turns out the Trump administration is fucking nailing it. Oh. Yeah, yeah, no, I was worried too. Uh, but luckily we learned that, uh, this week from Donald Trump, who gives his response a 10 out of 10. So there you go. (laughs) Could not possibly have been better. There is no grade above it. This is the minimum death count. His response was perfect. I correctly identified Portugal and Puerto Rico on a map three times in a row. (laughs) Perfect. Three for three. The first try was a scrimmage. Yeah, it was preseason. I'm perfect. I'm perfect when it counts. Three for three. And and Mike only held my hand the first two times, so doesn't really count. God, can you imagine this happening in the United States of America? I mean, we're just so oh, lucky. Awful. Yeah. Right? <laughs> now, we honestly should have expected this, just given the overall fakeness of the media. But I, for one, remained in the dark until Trump's press conference with Puerto Rican Governor Ricardo Rossello, where Trump was asked about how he would rank his administration's response to the devastating hurricane. He responded, quote, I would say it's a 10, end quote. Only if it's a hundred scale, bro. And in case the widespread reports of deadly incompetence were based on a lack of understanding as to which portion of the island was hit, he added, quote, it went right through the middle of the island, right through the middle of Puerto Rico, end quote. I don't just he just starts like yelling the facts he knows. Big water. It's an island. Ocean (laughs) water. Right in the Puerto Rico. They got it right in the Puerto (laughs) Rico. Right. Ten points. Is it points? (laughs) 
10. I got 10. Yeah, Trump finally goes down there to visit. Governor Rosello comes up to him. Trump just shoots him by accident. Fuck, okay. Call it a nine. Call it a nine. How does this fucking scale work? What's an eight? Jesus Christ. I think I get to shoot nine more now, right? (laughs) Now, Rossello, for his point, declined to offer up a numeric grade, but he did say that Trump had, quote, answered all our petitions, end quote. So, you know, let's not get caught up on the scores from the SATs. The important thing is that he answered all the questions, right? <laughs> uh, so Trump pressed the governor to damn him with slightly less faint praise, and he he very much didn't. So Trump added, quote, I think we did a fantastic job, and we're being given credit, end quote. And to be fair, the last part of it is made true just by him saying it. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> I review all our podcasts on iTunes. Five stars all the way. Just, yeah, there you go. <laughs> perfect score among us. <laughs> We're perfect. And that's going to do it for episode 59. Well, we couldn't add more and make it more perfect, obviously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is all we could do. Log scale perfect. <laughs> thanks to No Illusions. Thanks to Eli Bosnick. And thanks to all the listeners who liked us on Facebook, followed us on Twitter, and send us feedback on the other various internets. Please keep doing that. Please keep listening. And please keep telling your friends. And if you find the naive stupidity of our giving away a free show business model to be oddly charming, please feel free to send us gifts of money at our donation page at patreon.com slash skeptocrat. Just like Fox, John, Wendy, Larmouth, James, Dirty, Cheryl, B, Brian, Chris, Matthew, Michael, and last but not least... I have a name. It's the best name. You won't believe my great name. <laughs> Many thanks to all those people. Your genitals make me smile like a dog's face. I'm not like what? my gen. I'm saying bo- both of those things make me smile separately. Not that my genitals would. Lo- okay, you know what I meant. You know what I meant. I didn't. Dog's no. face. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck a chicken. Whether or not you're feeling financially benevolent, like those fine people. If you enjoyed our brand of whimsy and you'd like to hear more dick jokes free of charge, check out our brother and sister shows, The Scathing Atheist, God Awful Movies, and Citation Needed. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, or the Deep Web. We just have one last thing. Let's compliment that penist. Special thanks to Ryan Slotnick of Evil Giraffes on Mars. He's the creator of the virtuosic musical stylings you heard today, which were used with his permission. You should definitely check him out using the links we'll provide or by Googling the only band called Evil Giraffes on Mars. Until next time, catchphrase sign off. Heath's not allowed near my dog anymore. Thirteen. Yeah, oh, right. You tried to get some extra numbers in there, and then yeah. why don't you wait for the rhythm next time? Just fucking relax over there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> All right. All right. Eight. Trumpet. Why don't you bring some music to this party? <laughs> The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.